The World Series is in full swing. The Titans are off this week, but it's probably a good thing as they take a breather from the pounding they've been receiving over their past few games. And Tennessee takes on South Carolina. This is the Press Box. Let's start with the World Series. At the time of this recording, two games have been played. Game three will be on Friday night, or was on Friday night, in LA. Game four will be tonight. Now, currently, again, at the time of this recording, Boston leads the Dodgers two games to none. And after their 4-2 loss to the Red Sox in Game 2 of the World Series on Wednesday night, the Dodgers, well, they got their attention all set on Game 3. Historically, it's not a good thing to lose the first two games. Game 3 has to be a must-win for L.A. 3-0 deficits, almost nobody comes back from those, except, well, the Red Sox who did it against the Yankees back in 2004. Now, while the one-game-at-a-time refrain sounds nice, it does belie the steep odds that Dodgers face at 0-2. Now, according to MLB research, 43, 43 of the 54 teams that have been up 2-0 in the World Series, like this year's Red Sox, they've gone on to win it, including each of the past 10 times. And then when you take home field advantage into account, the odds, they get even better for Boston. 31 of the past 38 teams that have won the first two games at home have gone on to become World Series champions, including each of the past 15. And again, that's according to MLB research. In fact, the last time a team lost the first two games of a World Series on the road and came back to win it was in 1981 when the Dodgers rallied to beat the Yankees. Now, there are some other teams in World Series history that return home down 0-2 and end up winning it all. Like the 1978 Yankees. They dropped the first two games at Dodger Stadium. The Yankees won four in a row to claim the title, including a 10-inning, 4-3 win in Game 4 that flipped the momentum. New York went on to outscore the Dodgers 19-4 in the series' final two games. The 1971 Pirates. They got shellacked by the Orioles 11-3 in Game 2. Roberto Clemente and company returned home, won three in a row. Slip past the Orioles in Game 7 to win the series. The 1965 Dodgers. This was the Sandy Koufax series. The Dodgers lost their first two games in Minnesota against the Twins, but fought back to tie the series before Koufax took over, spinning shutouts in both Game 5 and Game 7 to clinch it for L.A. The 1958 Yankees. New York not only fell into an 0-2 hole against the Braves, the Milwaukee Braves at the time in this series, but it also found itself trailing 3-1 after dropping Game 4, but the Yankees, whose lineup featured Yogi Berra and Mickey Mantle, recovered and won. Speaking of the Yankees, let's take a look at the 1956 Yankees. They lost the first two games of that series on the road against the Brooklyn Dodgers, but won the series in seven. Interestingly enough, the last three games were all shutouts, including a 9-0 route in the decisive game. And finally, the 1955 Dodgers. Same teams, different story. This time, it was the Brooklyn Dodgers losing the first two games on the road and bouncing back to win in seven. So, history not really on this side of the Dodgers, but can it be done? Sure. It sure can. However, it's going to be a steep climb if the Dodgers want to bring home their first World Series championship since 1988.
Moving on to the Tennessee Titans, the last time we were together, they were getting ready to take on the Ravens. Well, they dropped that game 21 to nothing. And then it was off to London to face the San Diego Chargers. The Titans also dropped that one across the pond in a heartbreaking game where they fell by a score of 20 to 19. What's going on with the Titans? They're currently second in the AFC South with a record of 3 and 4. The Texans have bounced back and are currently in first place with a record of 5 and 3. So, where do the Titans go to turn this around? They've got a bye week this week, a chance to reset, recharge, and take a look at where they want to go forward here for the rest of the season. But with nine games left, the Titans are fairly optimistic about what's ahead after the bye week. On the horizon is a Monday night football game against the Cowboys on November 5th, followed by a home game versus the Patriots. Titans running back Deion Lewis said that he thinks there has to be a level of urgency on the team, that we have to get going, we can't afford to lose any more games, but the positive is we are just one game behind in the division. We're still in this thing, we're not out of this by any stretch of the imagination. Now, after seven weeks, the Titans are ranked 30th on offense, 17th in rushing, 30th in passing. Drops inconsistent play in an underwhelming run game on too many Sundays have held the team back. Quarterback Marcus Mariota has three touchdowns versus five interceptions. On the defense side of things, the Titans are ranked 10th overall, 18th versus the run, 8th versus the pass. The team has struggled stopping the run at times and there have been too many big plays allowed, including two in Sunday's loss against the Chargers. When you take a look at how the Titans started the season 3-1, and one, there is reason for optimism. Some of those games very close, but now they've lost three straight games. The bye week, as we've previously said, is going to be a chance for them to reset and recharge. And, and that's, exactly, that's exactly what head coach Mike Vrabel is going to have to do using this week to figure out how to get the offense going, how to be able to score more plays, how to keep play consistent and not turn over the ball. He's also going to have to take a look at making the common sense play. Too many attempts at two-point conversions to try to win a game. Yeah, it worked earlier in the season, got you a win, but sometimes you need to tie it up and go back and try again, right? Yet something has to be said for the kind of guns that Mike Vrabel has. His aggressive style of coaching well, everyone's taking notice, and no one's complaining about it. It's, it's definitely a change of pace for the Tennessee Titans. Also, the Titans haven't been very good at running the football. Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, uh, when you get two guys like that, you expect the team to be better than 17th overall in rushing offense. Deion Lewis ran for 91 yards on just 13 carries, Showing his elusiveness all game long, it was part of a 164-yard rushing day for the Titans, who got 33 yards and a touchdown out of Derrick Henry and 38 more yards from Marcus Mariota. Also, the Titans are going to need more consistency from the receiving core in the second half of the season, too. Through seven games, there's been too many drops, too many stretches with little productivity. But Tajay Sharp, he's really starting to stand out against the Chargers. He had seven catches for 101 yards and came up big time and again on third down. It should get him some more opportunities moving forward. The Titans also played well enough to win on defense against the Chargers, holding them to just 14 first downs, but take out the 55-yard completion and the 75-yard completion, and the Titans held the Chargers to just 214 yards of offense on 42 plays. Only 
that's the problem. You can't remove those plays from the equation. So the Titans really gave up 344 yards, including the long touchdown catches. Now, what the Titans have to do moving forward is keep from getting beat by deep balls and blown coverages. And again, all that being said, the division is wide open. Yeah, the Titans have hurt themselves in the race for a wildcard spot. Losses to the Dolphins, Ravens, and Chargers. Yeah, they're kind of in trouble when it comes to potential tiebreakers. But why is the goal to make the playoffs through a wild card anyway? The Titans could win the division. They're just a game back behind the Texans. And the Jaguars are tied with them. The division is completely in play. So why? Here, here's where Mike Vrabel's analogy about going for two points works. Why go for the wild card when you can go for the whole thing, right? We'll see what happens with the Titans as they get set to face the Cowboys on Monday Night Football, November 5th. The Tennessee Volunteers in action this weekend against the South Carolina Gamecocks. are going to be meeting inside Williams-Brice Stadium later on today for one of the SEC's more hotly contested rivalries in recent memory. Now listen, each of the last six games in the series has been decided by no more than six points, including a 15-9 affair last season in Knoxville that came down to the final play. And that game ultimately went in favor of the Gamecocks to give them their second consecutive victory against the Volunteers. Now, Tennessee still holds a substantial lead in the all-time series with a record of 25-9-2. Saturday night's SEC tilt is going to be pivotal for both teams in terms of reaching bowl eligibility at season's end. Now, the Gamecocks enter the matchup against the Vols fresh off a of bye week. They're looking to bounce back from a tough 26-23 loss to Texas A&M, and they sit fourth place in the SEC East standings, which it's not really where they envisioned themselves before the season started. They're going to be looking to gain some much-needed traction by defeating the Vols for the third year in a row. Now, if successful, Will Muschamp will extend his perfect 6-0 record against Tennessee as a head coach, including his tenure at Florida. Jeremy Pruitt's volunteers, they're also looking to rebound from a tough loss. They fell hard to rival Alabama by a score of 58-21, to just one week removed from the big upset victory at Auburn. The Vols, who currently reside in fifth place in the SEC East, will now attempt to regroup and play the role of spoiler on the road at South Carolina. A victory would give the upset-minded Volunteers their second conference win of the season and a big boost to confidence for the stretch run. Now, when you're watching this game, be sure to pay attention to the ground game. They, both teams have struggled to get things going on the ground this season, and it's been particularly true over the last three games for each team. South Carolina has averaged just 3.3 yards per carry over its last three games, while the Vols' run game has been almost non-existent in its last three contests, averaging a woeful 1.8 yards per carry. Now, to make matters worse, neither team has scored a rushing touchdown during that stretch. Next, keep an eye on the South Carolina passing game versus the Volunteer Pass defense. Jake Bentley's role as starting quarterback for the Gamecocks appeared to be in jeopardy following Michael Skerchenetia's standout performance in South Carolina's win against Missouri. Bentley didn't help his situation with a rough first half against Texas A&M. He did bounce back nicely, though, in the second half with three touchdown passes against the Aggies. But it's probably safe to assume that he still has some work to do to restore total faith in his ability to lead the South Carolina offense. Bentley's 6.9 passing yards per attempt ranks 12th among starting SEC quarterbacks, and his seven interceptions are tied for the most in the conference. Now, the silver lining is that Bentley and company now have a chance to hit the reset button following last week's bye. 
They will face a Tennessee pass defense that ranks 10th in the SEC, allowing 223.1 passing yards and two touchdowns per game. But to be fair, the Tennessee pass defense is probably better than the stats suggest after facing two of the best passing attacks in the nation, Alabama and West Virginia. And while the Vols' young secondary is somewhat vulnerable, they are talented enough to provide a legitimate challenge for a South Carolina passing game that has been anything but consistent. Will the Volunteers play spoiler to the Gamecocks? I guess we'll see later on tonight. That's it for the Press Box. I'm Moose Michaels, and you know what to do. Drink a brewski for the Mooski. I'm out.